Happy Easter to each and every one of you. It is so good to be with you. It is such a privilege for us to get to share in the joy and the promises and the power of the one who was raised from the dead and is now giving us everlasting life. I want to begin today with a story, and that story takes me to some tours that we take to the Holy Land. When we take tours to the Holy Land, there's kind of a local tour guide that's from that country, and then there's a tour representative. This is kind of the go-between, the liaison. I mean, anytime you do international travel with a large group of people, there's always kind of things to smooth out, logistics to deal with. And so this tour representative helps to make sure that the trip goes as well as it can. And then there's little moments where this tour representative has to like spread a little bit of joy for an opportunity that's on that trip. Well, this tour representative that I've worked with for many, many times is originally from Italy, and she does most of her work in Israel. And so she speaks fluent Italian and English, and of course the people of that country speak Hebrew and some English. And so you can imagine every once in a while there's some confusion. There was this one trip that she was doing where the pastor who was leading the trip, his name was Walter, and and he was having his birthday while he was on the trip. And so the tour representative called the hotel to see if they could get a birthday cake made for Walter for that evening when they were having their meal. The hotel said, sure, that that was fine. But because of, you know, the language differences and things like that, could she please send a message, a text that had exactly what she wanted on the cake so they made sure that they got it just right. They also asked the question of whether she thought that one cake was going to be adequate or they needed more than one cake. And so she sent in the text and answered the question. And then as the evening meal arrived and they were about to walk in with the cake, she went to the kitchen to go check on the cake to make sure that everything was ready. And this is what the cake said. One will be enough. It has to say, happy birthday, Walt. (laughs) She's glad she checked it. They decided to doctor the cake a little bit, and then it was like this. (laughs) Which to me is even worse. It's so funny how you think there are these moments where you were being a abundantly clear and you've got the checks and the balances in place and you think you were saying something exactly right and yet something can get lost in the shuffle, that something can get lost in translation. You know, I've been preaching Easter sermons for a quarter of a century now and many of you have probably been listening to Easter sermons for a long, long time and I think that I'm being abundantly clear, and maybe you think you're hearing it just right, and yet I am surprised by how often things get lost in translation or lost in the shuffle. And so today, I want to just be really clear about the difference that Easter makes. Not just in life after death. Yes, Jesus was raised from the grave, and so can we, but I don't believe you have to wait until you die to tap into those Easter joy and promises. They say that contrast is the mother of all clarity, and like the Gospel of John, I want to zoom in on one life, one person before Easter, one person after Easter, the same person. 
to see what difference Easter can really make. That person I want the camera lens to zoom in on is the person of Peter. Because we know what his life was like before. And we know what his life was like after. He was called by Jesus. He followed Jesus. He proclaimed Jesus. He witnessed the miracles of Jesus. He denied Jesus. He ran away from Jesus. And then he went back to fishing, which was what he did before he met Jesus. And yet something after that Easter appearance, we know that Peter will never be the same. And I believe that that could be true for you and me. Jesus shows up along that lake shore. And he appears to Peter. And Peter comes ashore and they share breakfast together. And this is what it says. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger and you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. What difference does Easter make? Let me be abundantly clear. The first difference that Easter makes is that that of forgiveness. Every time I walk into my office, I pass by a painting. It is this painting by a beloved saint of this church, Frank Skinner. It reminds me that as I walk by it, that it all began along Lakeshore. That Jesus, walking along, seeing some fishermen, called them in, out of their ordinary lives and said, to follow me. And Peter's response when Jesus asked him this was, Lord, go away from me, for I am a sinful man. Peter's response to his first encounter with Jesus is the reaction of putting a distance between him and Jesus but he, because he knew how bad he really could be. And yet when you fast forward to after Easter and Jesus shows up by that very same lakeshore in the very same place and he calls out to the disciples to to set out their nets on the other side, a phrase that would have triggered for Peter that first encounter with Jesus. Instead of saying, go away from me for I am sinful, even though he's denied Jesus, even though he's run away from Jesus, as soon as the risen Jesus shows up, Peter puts on his clothes and swims to shore because he's not even willing to wait the hundred yards for that boat to come to shore. The difference between before Easter and after Easter is that Peter wants to be as close as possible to Jesus and to one another. And I believe that that's what the resurrection does. 
it shows us what forgiveness really can be like. And that it draws us together instead of tearing us apart. My friends, I believe that we are living in a day and an age where we are experiencing the fading of forgiveness before our very eyes. With everything from the everyday slights to the larger issues of injustice and violence in our world today, I firmly believe that we are experiencing a decline of forgiveness. Author Tim Keller puts it this way, he says, most of us have been formed by a culture that nourishes revenge and mocks grace. The great crisis of our time is what? Vindictiveness. Patron saint of this city, Andrew Young, says the problem with anger is that it is contagious and that if you're not careful, you and your behavior become no different from the people who have perpetrated the wrong in the first place. Desmond Tutu in Apartheid said that there is no future without forgiveness. That you and I are called to be a part of a radical community in which we take on the temporary suffering in order to attain a greater good. And that is what forgiveness is. Do you remember how shocking it was in 2006 when the Amish community forgave the people who had created that injustice and violence against them? Now we live in a time when people say that that shouldn't happen, that forgiveness and grace is wrong and vindictiveness is on the rise. And my friends, vindictiveness has both a political right and a political left to it. And that if we are not willing to understand our own sinfulness as well as our own acceptance of what happens in the cross and in the grave of Jesus Christ then there really will be no future without this forgiveness. The first difference that Easter makes in Peter's life and our ours, before and after, is of that forgiveness. The second difference that Easter makes is not just in forgiveness, but in friendship. The question that repeats over and over again as Jesus lovingly confronts Peter, having denied him three times, is to ask this question over and over again. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? One of the things that we have to recognize here is that the central question of the Christian faith is whether or not we love God. Back when I was a pastor in Summit, New Jersey, I was pulling together a Bible study for the first time of a group of guys. None of these guys, and this was intentional, had ever been in a Bible study before. And before we opened the Bible, before we cracked open the good book, before we started talking, I just stopped and I said, hey, before we get going, do any of you have any questions? And this one guy raised his hand. There was only four of us in the room. He raised his hand. I'm like, first of all, you don't need to raise your hand when there's four of us. And he said, yeah, what's, the, what's exactly the goal of what we're doing here? Is it your goal that we're going to become more religious? This guy worked at Lehman Brothers, and I had been to his workplace. I said, no, I've been to your workplace. You don't need to be any more religious. What you need is a relationship. My goal of this Bible study is that you might have a friendship with God. 
Abraham was said to have that friendship with God. It is the golden thread throughout the whole Bible. In one of the last speeches that Jesus ever gave, he said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you my friends. What we miss in that question, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me, is that the word that is for love there is phileo. Jesus is saying, do you want to be my friend? That's the opportunity that's before us on the other side of Easter. Every other religion, every other worldview, they'll talk about their practices, they'll talk about their beliefs, they'll talk about their behaviors, they'll talk about their traditions, they'll talk about their rituals. All of them have these types of things in common. The thing that makes Christianity different and Easter different from anything else in the world is it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. Do you love me, Jesus asks at Easter. Which leads me to a quote by Wittgenstein. And in reality, what is an Easter sermon without a Wittgenstein quote? (laughs) Only love believes the resurrection. You may have come this morning looking to be convinced. You may have come this morning looking for more evidence. You may have come this morning looking for a reason. I'm here to tell you that it is only love that can truly understand what happens at Easter. And so the difference that Easter makes is that first that we can experience forgiveness and reconciliation. The second difference is that it invites us into a friendship with God and which enables us to have friendship with one another. And the third difference that Easter makes in Peter's life and in ours is that of fulfillment. For you see, not only does Jesus ask Peter, do you love me three times? He gives him a charge three times. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, he repeatedly tells him. In other words, Jesus is telling Peter that he doesn't need a vacation, he needs a vocation. He is renewing Peter's call. It was a man from my previous congregation who was a CFO for many major corporations. He told his wife, look, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to be gone a lot. I'm going to make us a lot of money. And then when I turn 60, I am taking an early retirement and we're going to be able to do whatever we want. We will travel the world anywhere you want to go. Six months before he turned 60, his wife died of cancer. And he was lost, and he was bewildered, and he was grieving. In the midst of his grief and his loss, I invited him to come to an organization that we had a long-standing partnership in my previous church called Teen Challenge of Southern California. It's a drug and alcohol rehabilitation program. I was going to be the graduation speaker for those who had come into the program and now who were being sent out and commissioned from having successfully completed the program. One of the things that we always do at that program is show the before and the after picture of what the people are like when they come in. Let me share with you some of these images. Here's a before and here's an after. Here's a before and here's an after. 
Here's the before. These are two different people, a man on the left, a woman on the right. Here's an after because they fell in love in the program, eventually got married and started their family. I invited this businessman to come and to be a part of the graduation and I said, listen, you're going to have a particular role to play. You're going to give away their graduation present. And our missions director in helping out with this, he's like, what do I give them? I mean, I don't know what they need. And she said, you know what they need more than anything else? They don't have a set of towels. He bought them the nicest towels that he could find. This was probably the most expensive thing that these graduates had. And one by one, having seen the before and the after and having heard their stories, he gave them those towels. Tears streaming down his face. He said, I had no idea what life would be like on the other side of this loss. He didn't know what he would do. And I said, I know what you're going to do. You're going to feed the flock. You're going to tend the sheep. Because that's where true fulfillment is found. The difference that Easter can make is in forgiveness, in friendship, and in fulfillment. And finally, in faith itself. This is the most depressing part of the story that we read today. Jesus tells Peter, you know what, when you're young, you get to dress yourself, you go wherever you want to go, God gives you the car keys. When you're old, someone's going to take away the car keys, you're not going to be able to dress yourself. Isn't that depressing? He did this to indicate the kind of death that Peter was going to experience. And then he leaned into Peter and he said, follow me. In other words, Peter, you don't know where your life's going to go. Will you trust me even when it doesn't seem that it's what you think it ought to be? It wasn't that long ago that I was standing in a parking lot when somebody came by. I recognized him as being a part of this family of faith. I also recognized as soon as I saw him that the cancer that had been mentioned before was wrecking havoc on his body. And so after a few words, I leaned in and as pastorally as I could, I said, how are you holding up? His answer floored me. He said, Rich, my body is wasting away and I have never been more alive in God's kingdom than right now. Can you believe saying that? Can you believe losing all of the freedom and the functions that you and I enjoy on a daily basis and yet coming more and more alive? 
only faith and the God of Easter can do that. I want to be really clear and I want to make sure that nothing gets lost in the message of this Easter. I want to make absolutely sure that you understand that Easter isn't just about your life after death, although it does involve that. That Easter makes a difference right now that you and I live in a world and in a city and in a church and in communities where they desperately need the Easter hope of forgiveness and friendship and fulfillment and faith. That the God of all grace would welcome us to be near and that we would run to him. That he would beckon us to be in a loving relationship with him and with one another. That we would find everlasting joy and fulfillment, not in meeting our own desires, but in tending to the needs of others. And that we could trust him and follow him every day of our lives. My friends, because of Easter, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is available to you and to me right now. Don't misunderstand it. Hear it. And let us pray. Everything in us, so God says, to run away and to tell you to go away. And yet, because of your Easter hope and promises, because you have made yourself known to us, we now run to you. I pray for anybody who has kept you at arm's length or finds themselves at a distance from you. May we do everything that we can to draw near to you, the one who beckons us from the lake shore and says, come and follow me. Lord, we thank you that we love because you first loved us. And that you enable us in this moment, because of your promises, to be able to find a greater fulfillment than just living for ourselves. And that we might find the joy and the laughter and the passion of a life that is meeting the needs of others. Forgive us, God, for hearing Easter sermon after Easter sermon and not responding out of faith and forgetting that you invite us not into a religion but a relationship. And so, Father, help us to surrender our hearts and our lives to you right now, whether for the first time or whether renewing the call that you gave us of long ago. And we thank you, God, that what you did at Easter makes a difference in eternity and it makes a difference right now. And so make us your Easter people, full of your Easter promises, because of the difference that Easter alone can make. And we pray these things with great anticipation in the strong name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said.